the summer. I guess it's not summer yet, is it? Not technically. It's starting to feel like it, though. It's starting to get hot. Yeah. March lasted uh, at least two trips around the sun, and now it seems like time's actually moving at a normal pace. Yeah, maybe even a little bit faster than, like, I looked up today, I'm like, oh, June 11th. Well, yeah, June whatever, 12th, when this will be posted, but we're in the past. Hello, future people. Yeah. It's, uh, man, I don't know. It's different with the, with kids. Like today, Abby and I were just like, you know, we we don't really leave the house. We need to find some activities, you know, not that are coronavirus friendly. Like, you guys aren't really hikers or anything. David, do I look like a hiker? <laughs> That's, I, you know, we've been lucky that we are, you know, we have the dogs, so we're always outside. Like, I, we're three walks a day minimum now, and we've been going on some hikes. We usually, we do bike rides, things like that to get outside, but we kind of did that before. So, I don't know. We went canoeing last weekend. I think we... Uh, That's a beautiful transition. That's what I was going to ask you about. So, is that Sunday? Yeah, Sunday. Thank God it wasn't Saturday. Saturday was like, I felt like I, we actually went hiking on Saturday and we did like maybe a mile and I felt like I was going to melt. It was miserable. Yeah, I, I don't like the heat. So now this is a place, correct me if I'm wrong, and I, I remember talking to Juan about this. Th- there's a place like you can go rent a canoe, drop in, and it's like a a path for you, right? It's like you're not just out yeah, they t- yeah. Find your way. yeah they take you so what it is you go to the to their um livery livery however you say that they usually bus you to like it's the one we did was three and a half miles um and then they carry the canoes with you and then you canoe back to the place where you started um some of them do the opposite where you um canoe out and then they bust you back um but this one is is kind of cool that they it because it, it's nice because then when you're done you can just leave you don't have to worry about getting on a bus and being all stinky and drunk like most people that are canoeing um is is it a drinking activity yeah the so a lot of people will say cabrewing um but I, i'm the type of person i'll have a couple when i when i'm on the water but i'm not like overindulging some people will go crazy with the and we saw some people that i'm pretty sure were um overindulging yes um but the nice thing is you can just get in there you can float down the river the guy they told us if you don't paddle once you're for three and a half miles you'll be about two and a half hours so it took us like a little under two so that's how much we were paddling not very much big question where do you store your drinks in a canoe? Uh, in a koozie. <laughs> no, we take a cooler with us. And it fits in the canoe? Yeah. The cooler usually goes in like the um, like the middle section where normally you would have like another person that wouldn't probably be paddling. Um, but there's like two seats. There's a front and a back. Uh, the back person steering. The front person is just kind of there for muscle. Um, and then we usually put the cooler in the middle, 
grab a beer when you need one. Angie was drinking uh, truly the hard seltzer, but Ooh. yeah, who makes that? Because Budweiser has their own now, right? Then of yeah. course there's the the White Claws that are so popular. Yeah. We we like truly because it's Sam Adams, which is local to Cincinnati. A lot of it's made here, right in Cincinnati. So, um, and honestly, they to me they all pretty much taste the same. So if I'm going to drink one that, and they're all the, around the same price. So if I'm drinking the one that if it, all else being equal, I'm going to drink the one that's, that's the local product. Um, but yeah, they, and they also, I don't know if what white claw is, but I know that they're actual, like they use actual fruit in there and there's like no crazy additives or anything like that. Um, I'm definitely not, even as a beer drinker, I know some people kind of shoe off the, uh, the white claws and the seltzers, but I think there's a time and a place for them. Like if you're on the, if you're canoeing on the water and and want to have something that's kind of refreshing, that's not a beer. um, I think it fits the bill perfectly. I was drinking some Kolsch, which is like a um, German style that is very similar to a lager, but it's actually an ale and it's just a light, easy drinking. Um, It's kind of one of my summer go-tos outside of IPAs which uh, I'm actually drinking an IPA t- today. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute, but it's actually the first IPA episode, what, six? Mm-hmm. First IPA. And I'm like the IPA guy. I love IPAs. Your uh, DM IPA. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm not an outdoors guy, but um, a couple years ago, got invited to a whitewater rafting trip and i have to say uh, first of all the person that uh, our friend that booked it sent us um to the intermediate levels first like we didn't get the standard starter tour we went right to the yeah like you went on the new river right yeah yeah the upper new river yeah and so you know, I, and I didn't want to go, but I'm one of those guys. If you can get me there, I'm fine. So my wife, you know, we, we go, I get there. I'm ready. We we're literally getting ready to get into the boat with the guide. And she's like, I can't do this. <laughs> we get out on the water. The first sign, the first little bit of it being rough. She said, okay, now what, what number rapid is this? And the guy was like, uh, this is, this is less than a one. Yeah. <laughs> so, but once I got out there, man, I loved it. Uh, yeah. but it's not like, there's no, no paddling and whitewater rafting. I had to paddle right. my ass off. Yeah. I've been whitewater rafting only on the new river, I think six or seven times. Um, I've only been on the lower new, so the upper new, like, I think you can be like six or seven and go on that. Um, that's usually kind of the one more for, for families. Um, but the lower new, and then they have the gully. I don't know if they talked to you about that. That's, that's pretty intense. Like the gully is there's sections there where it's so narrow that you actually have to like your raft, like bends in half to get through it. Like you're going sideways over a rock. And yeah, uh, we, we saw some, I guess they're called whirlpools. Yeah. Uh, and hydraulics. And then when we got done, the guy's like, hey, you should look up some YouTube videos. Well, we saw this boat, and he took us, like, right to the edge of it. 
you know. Yeah. We we watched a video and it, a boat goes into it. It's, it it throws everybody off, smacks the boat in half, like it folds. And you just see people's heads popping up 20, 30 feet down the river. I'm like, oh, God. We did not fall out once, although several boats in front of us did. So I don't know. Yeah. I will say, like, on the on the upper noon, for the most part, if you don't want to fall out, you're probably not going to fall out. Unless you go and do – did you guys do any surfing? Any uh, West Virginia surfing? No. So that's when you turn – when they go through the rapid and they turn around – and they go try to go you try to paddle back into the rapid and a lot of times you your boat will sit on top of the rapid and and you'll do what's called surfing and sometimes if you paddle paddle and it's you got to paddle hard um to get back into it but if you if you do that then it's it's pretty crazy i've got some videos where i've i've done some pretty cool surfing but that's where you that's the most if you're going to fall out that's where you're probably going to fall out like you can do stuff like um there's some of them where you can go and they'll have like the person that's doing the video and they'll do the high five and have someone sit in the front of the raft and it's pretty fun stuff. I've been, uh, my brother-in-law is getting married this, this year and I tried to convince him to go whitewater rafting for his bachelor party, but it was a, it was a no go. You're coming basically to my house. Yeah. Kentucky wild and wonderful. No, that's West Virginia. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah, so I envy people that like are motivated and want to be outside, but I think it's from where I grew up forced into manual labor, like mowing grass at 10 years old and working in tobacco and things like that. Once I got to the point where I didn't have to, I didn't. I feel like there's no like in between, like you either love it or you don't want to be outside at all. Like there's no, no in between, but yeah, I'm, I'm sometimes I'm, I'm more of an outdoors person than what I, what I realize sometimes. Uh, listen, give me air conditioning. Do you like to camp? Not re- I'm not a big camper. Um, I'm a person like, I like to do what we did for my bachelor party, which is go rent a cabin in the middle of the woods and go sit by a fire, but then have a comfortable bed to sleep in. I'm not, I'm not about sleeping in a sleeping bag or even, even worse, like a, uh, um, like an RV or, or a camper Mm-mm. Mm-mm. or a tent. I just, uh, I just got an invitation to, uh, apply for media credentials for UFC on Fight Island. Are you going to Abu Dhabi? Uh, no, probably not. <laughs> I think that that, uh, I saw somebody that I think it was, uh, I can't remember exactly who some, one of the MMA media members posted that, you know, that, that probably was something that the UFC started talking about. And then they were like, Oh, uh, this is probably a little bit more expensive than what we thought. So let's just go do it. And, uh, cause they've already done like four or five events in, uh, in Yaz Island, um, Abu Dhabi. It's so weird to me because I feel like right now the UFC is thriving because it's one of the only sporting events out there. And at the same time, you have huge stars that are in direct conflict with management over salaries. Yeah. Couple that with some of 
you know, some media members that we've been, I know you were a, a uh, subscriber to, was it the athletic? Yeah. The athletic, you know, uh, inclu- including like the OG of MMA media danced up. Like they all got yeah. laid off. Josh gross. You know, it's, it's, it amazes me that 20 plus years into the, into that business that there's, there's still not a lot of legitimacy for MMA media. Yeah. I mean, you and I were part of the quasi MMA media for, for a while. And I think we saw the, you know, just the number, just the sheer number of people that are, you know, blogging and spending a a ton of time and energy and, and resources and, and honestly getting nowhere. Um, the, the group that they put together at the athletic, I think was the most impressive, uh, staff for, for an MMA outlet that I'd ever seen. And they were putting some great stuff out there. And the cool thing was they could say whatever they wanted because they weren't worried about most of the people were already banned from going to the UFC anyway, but they, they weren't worried about, you know, going to events and things like that. And that's kind of interesting that, um, they weren't really worried about like a travel budget. So they, they spent their travel budget on, Hey, let's just get more, um, more people. Um, but I looked today because I was like, man, it seemed like everybody that was Josh gross, um, Dan Stupp, uh, um, I forget who else was there. Um, but they had a, a great crew. Um, they have Who's three left? people, ben folks, three people left. Ben folks, Shaheen Al Shaddy and Fernanda Prates. That's the female from Brazil, right? Yes. Um, Interesting. And I've always been a huge fan of, of Ben Folks. Um, ever back to the cage potato days. Um, but I'm really curious to see what their coverage looks like um, going forward with basically one kind of beat writer type person, Shaheen, uh, Sean. Um, and then really more of a feature writer. And then, uh, Fernanda was, she's really focused more on, like, she's a, more of a photographer and, and kind of the multimedia, she's done a ton of video and things like that. Um, but even Sean does mo- more like feature writing. Like, I would say he's kind of like a hybrid, like beat writer, feature writer. Um, one of the things I like about the athletic and why I started is I like that the, I like that they they have the kind of the no ability. Came up. Yeah, <laughs> they do. Um, they have the ability to to kind of talk about things that are more like they're not. A lot of them aren't beat writers that are in the, you know, trying to you know get access to these people on a day in day out, day out base, basis. So they'll write some things that are more. Um, kind of questions that I think it's a lot of like feature writing as opposed to just here's what, here's the stats. So they've done a good job, which was always what I loved doing more. Even back in the bluegrass days, I always loved doing the interview a fighter and write a feature. Um, I would very rarely post just straight interviews, you know, question and answer interviews. See, that's me. I'm a, and maybe it's just, by my institution you know but it just and it's also how i like to read just give me the facts just yeah. lay it down there this is gonna happen you know it, i like i like that easily consumable stuff 
Speaking of easily consumable, I know what you're drinking tonight. Yeah, it is. <laughs> you go first. You said you had a classic, so I you kind of yeah. kept me on edge all day. So I yeah. So I have uh, Dogfish Head 90 Minute IPA. So this is an Imperial IPA, nine percent alcohol by volume. Uh, I think it's 90 IBU. So IBU is is again the bitterness. Uh, scale so it goes up to to 120 so it's it's pretty high up there um and this is a beer that's been around since 2001 um people that are kind of like the OG craft beer drinkers like dogfish head um was kind of like one of the first breweries that kind of started doing the 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 you know kind of the weird things the things where it's not just a you know a Sam Adams Boston Lager, you know, something that's a little bit different that um, they kind of went for that kind of weird, that weird niche audience. So they've done things like, um, you know, Utopia's uh, uh, Stout or Utopia's Barrel Age Worldwide Stout. Worldwide Stout is their stout where they basically just said, let's try to make the biggest ABV stout that we possibly can. I think it's like 18% alcohol for a stout. Um, They've done um, like a raisin beer. Um, They did, uh, you know, just a bunch of crazy things. Like one of their um, old beers that they did was called Midas Touch. It was a similar, it was like basically a, um, it drank like a Chardonnay, but it was like between like a beer and a wine and a mead. Um, so they've, they've always done things a little bit differently. And the, the legend goes with, um, with the dogfish had 90 minutes. So typically for a, a beer, pretty much every beer, the boil, when you're actually, you know, making the beer is 60 minutes. So this one's boiled for 90 minutes and it's, it's, uh, continuously hopped. So instead of having, you know, a hop addition at, you know, right at the start of the boil, you know, 10 minutes in, 30 minutes in, 45 minutes in, this is continually hopped throughout the entire process. And the way that they actually uh, did this for the first time was they got one of those uh, electric football games. Remember the ones that like vibrated mm-hmm. yeah. um, and they put it over top of their brew kettle and they put hops in it and it uh, com- consistently uh, hopped the, the IPA or the beer. So you get a continually hopped IPA. So it's got a, um, a little bit of like a malt, like it's, it's definitely malty, but it's really, really heavy on the hop flavor. Um, and a lot of people consider this to be one of like the two or three best, um, IPAs of all time, just a traditional classic West coast style Imperial, Imperial IPA. Um, I'm drinking it out of a snifter. Um, so you can get a oh, ton of that. Fancy. Like, yeah. Well, the thing, so I'm, I'm not a person where I normally am like, I need, you know, the crazy beer, you know, beer glasses or beer glass, but this is one where you want to get it on, you get that hop, that hop aroma on the nose before you, um, before you drink it. And it's delicious. It's super piney. Uh, and, and then you get a lot of citrus too. So, um, and these guys are out of Delaware. Yeah. Delaware. Um, and the funny thing is that they, you know, again, they, they're kind of one of the um, breweries that kind of was part of that first wave of, of craft breweries. Like 
you know, late eighties into the nineties and early two thousands. Um, and they actually last year, uh, merged with Sam Adams, which is, you know, an even older brewery that always has kind of focused more on the, like, you know, straight down the middle, uh, like their best selling beer is Boston lager. Um, but then Sam Adams also has the utopias, which is, that's the 28%, uh, beer, um, but yeah, so they, that's, it's, it's a, that's the expensive one, right? Yes. It's 200 and I think $10 for, uh, I think it's 25 ounce bottle. Mm. Rookie numbers. Yeah. Easily but it, this is one of those. So too, I, I want to give a shout out to, um, Adam, who's actually a brewer at Sam Adams here in Cincinnati. And he gave me this beer. This beer, uh, was bottled like a week and a half ago so super fresh like adam is you know being a professional brewer one of the biggest things he said is no matter what beer it is the fresher the better and this one's like you know a week and a half old you can it tastes super fresh like i mean people are are always big about you know aging the beer and put it in my cellar and the crazy thing you know when half the time when you do that the beer ends up you know, a lot of the flavors fall off and things like that. Like beer is designed to be, you know, consumed immediately. Any beer, I don't care what beer it is. It's designed to be consumed immediately. Even, you know, they say like barrel aged beers, they've already aged them for you. They've already aged them for, you know, three months, six months, a year in a barrel. Why, why do you think that you need to age it for another year? Um, that's always my philosophy. Now that's different than like, I will save beers, like if I get a really good beer for a special occasion, but purposely aging a beer, I think is, is kind of dumb. Yeah. It's like milk, right? You don't want. Right. And I don't, what's, <laughs> what's the, I remember, and you were probably super young when like the major, like Anheuser-Busch would start putting the born on date on their beer. Yeah. Like that was a big deal. I guess it was so you would know how fresh it was. Uh, yeah, and, and Sam Adams was famous for um, they will buy back any beer that is, you know, they, they actually have an expiration date on the beer, and they will buy back any beer from whether it be a retailer or a, um, uh, I don't know about a consumer, but from a retailer or like a bar or anything like that, they'll buy it back, which is, is kind of crazy. Because they would rather have, like, they don't want beer out there that's, you know, they don't want someone to have a Sam Adams that's not fresh. Hmm. They'd rather buy back and, and eat that cost than, you know, someone have a Sam Adams that's, you know, a year and a half old and, and it's not very good. Yeah, because they want you to enjoy it and buy more of it, not have a bad, you know, first impressions are always. Exactly. Like vodka, I can't. I got sick the first time. Really, I had vodka. Don't know that I've had any drink with vodka in it, <laughs> or Country Time Lemonade since like nineteen ninety seven. So you had vodka and Country Time Lemonade. Oh yeah, it got bad. <laughs> I'm not a dainty uh, vomiter. Who is really? Yeah, uh, I, I, that would be a good band I, name. Dainty vomiter. There we go. Let's start that up. Dainty vomiters. Can you play any musical instruments? No, not at all. Me either. 
I wish I could because guitar player, but yeah, I thought during during quarantine, I thought about it buying a, a guitar and like going on YouTube and trying to learn how to play because it would be. Cool. I want to. I just want to learn how to play like acoustic guitar, but I don't have the. I don't have the want to, or desire. Yeah, I feel like you have to go all in on that. Yeah, you got to put in a lot of time and, and effort. So my selection is one of the biggest selling bourbons ever. And I mean, ever. Uh, and you can buy it anywhere. You went to the liquor store today. Did you see some Jim Beam? I did. I saw, and I was actually looking at, um, you know, obviously they have the, the, the classic, which is what you're drinking, but Jim Beam also has the vanilla, the apple, mm-hmm. the honey, the everything that you want devil's cut yeah um, those single are barrel black double oak bonded <laughs> yeah so well, the bonded and we talked about neat last week but did you understand the uh bottled in bond what that means yes so that means that it is bottled like specifically under like the rules of bourbon right is that what it means like the the building is actually bonded right where yeah where the um bottling takes place yeah it's like a certified because back in the day i think it was after world war one when bourbon was super popular people were just making the nastiest drinks getting people sick and it wasn't bourbon but they would call it bourbon so uh the industry took a hit on that so they they had the bottled and bond and so occasionally like it's we know the standards now and what it is but there's some bottles i think uh i think jim beam has a they have like a hundred proof maybe like it's a pretty yes yeah that's the that's the and it says bottled and bond on it i think so yeah this is jim beam seven year old which it comes uh like it's for bourbon, you got four years, right? So it's aged three more years. And if you were going to, if you were going to have a starter bourbon, a Jim Beam's the one. You don't, it, it's so affordable that you can mix it and experiment. You know, it's, it's one that, that I started drinking just to get drunk. You know, that was, that was the bourbon. Um, I'll never forget. We would mix Jim Beam. We'd get a handle of Jim Beam, you know, like a half gallon. Yeah. And mix it with Dr. Pepper. And I can't, I can't do the Dr. (laughs) Pepper anymore, but, uh, but it's, it's a soft bourbon. Like it's not one of those, it's not a Knob Creek or even like a, uh, you know, a Buffalo trace, something like that. It's very mild. Uh, I know I've, I ridiculed people for talking about the, the flavor of the Oak and all that, but this is one like, this is mass mass produced. Yeah. Here in Kentucky. Um, but you will taste that like charry smoky Oak flavor. And I don't know if it's just where they make so much of it. Like that's what, you know, I don't know. Um, but and I've been to the Jim Beam Distillery, also uh, a couple of years ago, like a Jim Beam warehouse, 
caught on fire and then uh not caught on fire i'm sorry blew over so there's like jim beam everywhere so there was a big secondhand market for those barrels because once the insurance paid for them they couldn't do anything with them but the barrels were fine they were just you know they they weren't in storage anymore they're actually just out in the open so that was a big big deal and then like six months later the rest of the the rest of it blew down so troubles in claremont yeah um, but which it, is like, near lexington or louisville uh, more like frankfurt more like that whole bourbon trail area where you go okay. through Versailles to, to frankfurt down towards louisville um and they have a yeah. i remember they have a um like i don't know if they actually make any bourbon there but in louisville they have like a I forget what they call it, like Urban Still House or something like that. They do, yeah. I think um, there's some some very small distilleries like in that bourbon district. Um, but, you know, bourbon is the catchy thing now in, in a lot of these. The thing too, I, yeah. I feel like Jim Beam is one of those where like we've talked about, like I think you've had is it at least two Buffalo Trace products that aren't branded as Buffalo trace. Whereas Jim beam for me, it seems like everything that's Jim beam is branded as Jim beam. Like, yeah, you know, they've yeah, got everything. Jim beam. Yeah. Uh, they make, I want to say, uh, I have to look, I think red stag is Jim beam. Yeah. That's what it's it. cherry. It's like yeah. a cherry flavor, um, which is not bourbon. You know, you can't right. add flavor Any to it. Flavors, yeah. So they've got Kentucky fire, which I think is cinnamon, right? Maple, peach, apple, vanilla, honey, uh, red stag, black, which is black cherry, <laughs> um, tons of flavors. But then they've also got the, the, you know, the bourbon for, I think the more, you know, kind of serious drinker where you've got the, you know, again, the devil's cut. We've talked a little bit about devil's cut, um, the bonded, they've got the single barrel, um, which is, you know, you talk about the honey barrel, um, uh, they've got the Jim Beam Black, which I think Jim Beam Black, I feel like is um, more for that like refined um, drinker. They've got the Double Oak, which is twice barreled. They've got a rye. They've got a little bit of everything for, for a lot of different people. But again, you're drinking just the traditional, like I guess it's like the white label with the... White, white label. Yeah. Uh, I got a pint, so... I didn't go for the whole bottle because, I mean, what? <laughs> it's not one that you're going to drink all the time. It's not, yeah, it's not one that I'm going to like break out of the party. Hey, guys, I brought the bean. <laughs> uh, so, but this weekend, I'm taking the Basil Hayden to a uh, function. So, and I think we talked about this a little bit earlier, uh, a little bit earlier this week. Of we're going to try to do a, um, like a, a, I guess the what the the value. Like I'm going to find a, a good cheap beer that I like to drink. You're going to find a good cheap, like lower end, not lower end, but lower end on, on, in terms of price of something, um, maybe in a, in a yeah. few weeks here, something that, like a, but a bargain, yeah, bargain buys. And even like Jim Beam, I think would even be maybe a little bit higher, right. Than that. Like this is like your, like your Bud Light of bourbon almost, yeah. right? This yeah. is your house bourbon all over Kentucky. You know, the Jim Beam is just your standard house bourbon. 
um, unless you go to a more, you know, upscale type place. But if you're just going to a bar, Jim Beam's probably the bourbon they have. And in that area, in Claremont, you've got Jim Beam, and then you've got Old Crow, um, which is a bourbon. Um, and then Heaven Hill, it's all down there. So, you know, they sometimes they get a bad rap, but, I mean, as I've said many times, bourbon is bourbon. Uh, yeah. A lot of times you're just paying for the marketing and the and the price. But going to the – you're talking about the reviews, and we've talked about labeling what we've had, as giving it like a uh, – almost like the, the one-bite app, you know, one drink, everybody knows the rules. You just kind of score it to how you feel. But I thought <laughs> – did somebody actually review uh, Jim Beam? And sure enough, they did. Whiskey Apostle <laughs> reviewed it. Uh, and so I guess this is standard because I was kind of poo-pooing the way they were talking the last time, but I guess it's standard in the bourbon industry that you start with the nose. And so they, they noted cherries, uh, caramel, and vanilla, which I can't – I could see the caramel and vanilla just because, one – I think your brain would, would trigger that because that's what it looks like. Yeah. You know, that, like, that you could easily associate that, but cherries, I, I don't know why no, there's nothing cherry. Uh, the palate, uh, they said was sweeter and smoother than the standard Jim Beam, which, you know, granted we've got an, an extra three years in the barrel. Um, and then they said the finish was very short and muted. And that I will say that if you get, like if you were having a sampler, right, and you started with Jim Beam and you ended with, say, a Wild Turkey, the the finish on the Jim Beam, 99% of the time is going to be fine. Like if you just took a shot, even if you didn't like it, you're going to recover pretty quick. You know, your mouth, your throat, the, the aftertaste, you're going to recover pretty quick. You get one of those heftier bourbons, uh, you know, like a Wild Turkey 101 or uh, Knob Creek or, you know, sometimes even Woodford Reserve. Like, it's going to linger there for a while. It's it's hard to get that taste out of your mouth. Yeah. Well, and, and I was on even more talking, too, about, like, um, beers, like, you know, actually rating the beer and saying this beer is a three out of five. This beer is a four out of five. Like, really what like you know taking a lot of that into account so for example with beer the beers that are of a particular style are usually rated higher so you usually get your ipas um specifically like new england ipas that are rate you know a lot of times rated super high the russian imperial stouts that the beer nerds like and then the the you know kind of a lot of times the beers that are that really show the the skill of a brewer a lot of times more so like a lager is way harder to brew than um you know any any ipa and you know an ipa is is like a day one type of you know beer to brew like i've brewed beer and i've brewed three of the six beers that i've brewed have been ipas and they've all been you know good not great so it's it's not like it's one of those styles that um is necessarily hard to brew, you know, for you go into like a, you know, ratebeer.com or an untapped and you look up any lager and the rating is going to be lower than, you know, 
most IPAs unless the IPA is is just not very good. Um, but it's I always just thought it was interesting the the styles and how subjective that is too. Like you know the there's a joke there's a beer um, you know people will say like you know I don't like this style but I still got it to try it but I'm gonna rate it a you know zero point five out of five. Yeah, like you but, know I'm not gonna like it. Like yeah, you know I don't like the higher uh, proof bourbon. Yeah, you're not going to get a good good review for me on a on a higher, you know, proof bourbon just because I don't. I like I like something I can mix in a glass, or even just take a shot of, and and keep going. You know what I mean? It's not something yeah. that's going to like keep me keep me like drinking water. Uh, and that's one thing with with bourbon. I think. You know, I went to the Maker's Mark bar, which doesn't exist anymore, but it was on 4th Street in Louisville for a bachelor party. And our host uh, bought the bar out. So it was as much as we could drink for like two hours. That's my downfall. If I'm paying for drinks, I'm fine. If it's free. (laughs) You're going to go crazy. Especially Maker's Mark, my favorite. So, like, I'm just down in, like, two shots. And then I would, you know, drink water, two shots of drink water. Cause that, you know, you talk about catching those flavors, water helps it. Yes. Uh, you know, water helps yeah. break that down. And, you know, if you, if you take a sip of bourbon and it's maybe too much, you know, maybe put some water in it or, or use water yeah. as a chaser. Well, that's what they so, said in the, in uh in neat. Like if you want to really get a lot of those flavors, even before you, even before you try a bourbon, add a little bit of water. Um, and you kind of convinced me today. We were out, we were texting back and forth and, and I ended up buying some Maker's Mark. So I'm going to maybe try some of that this weekend or, or sometime next week. And I'll give you my, my thoughts on some Maker's Mark. Um, I'm not, again, I'm, I'm still the guy trying to get into bourbon. Um, and I, I, I think I talked about this a couple weeks ago. I have trouble thinking of bourbon as bourbon and, and I think of it as, as I'm drinking a beer, <laughs> it's hard for me to sit and sip something. But that being yeah. said, this, like this 90 minute IPA, that's 9% alcohol is not something I would drink every day, but I'm yeah. going to sit here and, and sip it versus, you know, like a, something that's more refreshing. Like, again, I've been drinking a ton of Kolsch recently, Kolsch style beers, and I'll sit there on my patio and I'll drink one of those in, in 10 minutes. Um, I feel like that's like the, for me, that's the perfect style of beer. Like after I'm you know done cutting the grass and just sit down and, and relax on a hot day. Um, that is, is there is a distribution issue in the craft beer industry where say it's not a local, um, brewery for you? Like this week you went to rolling mill and was it new ales brewing? Yeah. Say they're in Michigan or whatever, and they've got their tap room and their brewery and all that. I'm trying to think of the, the beer that oh, we couldn't get in Kentucky forever. It's a standard beer, but they wouldn't, there was no You're talking about Yingling. There. Yingling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so with that being as popular as it is, I imagine the craft beer industry either has to be just localized or uh, yeah. do they get some distribution? Because I know uh, now 
like Country Boy Brewing, they're on there. There you got distribution, at least in Kentucky, right? Uh, where you can buy it at Kroger, and you know it's more available. Is that something hard in in that world? Yeah, I, you know, it's definitely it's one of those things where, for most breweries, that's you know that's not part of of phase one. I would say a lot of times that's phase three, four, five is, you know, getting to that point. The problem is you've got to have a demand for your beer in a, in a specific area. Then with, with the distribution, you've got to, you've got to find a good distributor that is going to put you into their portfolio and actually actively sell your beer into whether it be Kroger or whether it be, you know, the bottle shops or bars. Um, and also they're, you know, you're competing against even in their portfolio, you know, you, they, they may have 10, 15, 20 brands that they're trying to sell on top of whatever you have. So there's just a lot of competition in this space. And for example, Country Boy out of Lexington, Lexington, Kentucky, what do they have that's unique that even in Cincinnati, you know, an hour and a half away, what do they have that's unique that we can't get here in Cincinnati? Um, and just specifically, I like a lot of the Country Boy stuff, but it's, they're, they're not necessarily right now offering something that I can't get, you know, from a brewery here in Cincinnati. Like they had, a, we talked about, they had a beer called Cougar Bait. Rheingeist has a beer that's almost exactly the same. That's a, you know, a light uh, blonde ale that is basically designed for 42 year old women that, hey, I don't like beer, but I can drink this blonde ale. Um, and Rheingeist in Cincinnati, people know what Rheingeist is. Even in Lexington, you probably know what Rheingeist is. I mean, they're all over the place. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing is building your brand outside of, you know, a, a certain area. For example, in Cincinnati, we have, um, there's a, a brewery called Toppling Goliath. They're based out of Iowa. And for beer nerds, you know, the, the 1% you know, maybe in 2% of craft beer fans that know who they are, that follow the industry, not just in their local, um, you know, their local area, but follow, you know, craft beer everywhere. They know, Hey, Toppling Goliath is one of like maybe the five to seven best breweries in the country. And people were freaking out when they came here, but they came to Cincinnati and did zero marketing, no like tap takeovers, no, um, you know, nothing kind of out of the ordinary to really bring their name to Cincinnati. And they seem to be kind of struggling here. Um, the first, like basically they brought beer here, dropped it off and left. Um, they, you know, the first three or four months that they were here, they were doing really, really well. Um, and then all of a sudden it's like, you, you don't really, you see a little bit, but you know, they've, they've got some of the best, you know, IPAs and New England IPAs that I've ever tasted. And that's including some of like the beer nerd, like Treehouse stuff. Um, some of the crazy, you know, New England IPAs that you get from like old nation brewing. Uh, it's all, it, it, a lot of it's marketing. You know, you, you, the, I always say step one is having, having a good product. Step two is, is being able to sell that good, that product. Um, right. Because if you sell a product that's not good, people doesn't matter how good your marketing is, people aren't going to drink it. Um, that you know, so number one with a brewery is is have good beer. Number two is have good marketing. 
Um, the places that do it well, do it really, really well. Um, you know, again, going back to Rheingeist, you see Rheingeist, you know, because of their, you know, their stuff, their cans stand out on a shelf because of their Absolutely. super, yeah. super clean. Uh, if you don't know what Rheingeist is, Google, you know, what their cans look like and, you know, super clean marketing, super clean branding, everything, you know, specifically, this is a Rheingeist beer. Um, it says the name of the beer. It says the style of the beer. Um, you know exactly what you're getting when you buy a Rheingeist beer. Um, that's been a huge part of their success. Um, they're like the 25th biggest craft brewery in the country right now. And they've been around for, uh, they just passed seven years, I think. Um, that's awesome. And they're, the breweries that are ahead of them are like, have an average age of like, I think it was like 20 years, 15, 20 years, something like that. And they, oh, wow. they're, and they're also one of the few that's still like climbing up the ranks. So they're just, you know, continuing to get bigger and bigger. And it's because their branding is so good and, and they have the beer to back it up. Um, and they have the, not only the beer to back it up, but then also they have the, the quality and consistency. So you're, when you have one of their beers, it's going to taste exactly the same as, you know, it's not going to taste like all oh, this batch wasn't very good. Right. So they have great quality control. And I think a lot of people really underestimate how important that is in, in beer. Like, Hey, I know that when I buy a run gas beer, it's for the most part, it's not, it's going to be it's going to taste exactly like what it's supposed to taste like. And it's going to be, you know, a good quality beer. Whereas some of the beers that I buy it, you know, and I, personally, I don't buy them as much, but it's like, this is a crapshoot. So why are you going to go and spend your money on something that you don't know? Hmm. That's my rant about beer. <laughs> well, I like that. Have you ever, has there ever been hype for a new release in beer? Uh, that had yes. amazing marketing, just you thought it would be good, and then it just flopped. Yeah. Yeah, I was actually thinking about this earlier because uh, Cincinnati Inquirer released, like, the five best breweries in Cincinnati, right? They have a new beer blogger, um, and not the not to shit on him, but um, releasing something like that is, you know – you've got to do, you've got to do a lot of research and you got to know that you're going to get shit on releasing something like that, first of all. But he released it and said, you know, his number one brewery was Listerman. And I have, you know, Listerman makes some, some good beers and they have a ton of hype, but their quality control recently has been not very good. They've had beers that have like, you know, exploded. Um, they've had beers that have had off colors. Um, you know, in a, in a city like Cincinnati, you're, for me, it's hard for me to say that you're number one in the city when you've got, you know, multiple quality control issues. But, you know, specifically, you know, thinking about that, um, two and a half, three years ago, Braxton released a beer with uh, with Grater's ice cream here in Cincinnati, which is, if you've ooh, ever been to Cincinnati. Ooh, yeah. yeah. So if you've ever been to Cincinnati, that's like, you know, Grater's ice cream and Skyline Chili are what we're known for, um, but their their number one selling ice cream is is a black raspberry chocolate chip ice cream, and Braxton like broke the Cincinnati internet when they released that. Hey, we're gonna make a beer made with the same raspberry puree, you know, black raspberry puree, um, you know, and chocolate, and it's gonna be a stout, and people are you know, it's gonna be delicious and amazing. And so I, you know, there was a ton of hype. They had a huge release. Uh, 
went and tried the beer and it was the beer itself was okay. But to say that it was a black raspberry, you know, Braxton graders collaboration of black raspberry chip was, it was not in any way, shape or form. Uh, it didn't taste like that. It didn't have raspberry flavor. It just was, it was an okay beer. It was a stout, which, you know, when you, if you think about a beer like that, you're going to, you're going to have a ton of people that are, are not regular beer drinkers, right? Regular craft beer drinkers. You're going to get a ton of like, you know, people that are are just going to try it because, Hey, this has graders and, and wow, graders beer. I'm going to try that. Um, and it was a good beer for that, but to make it a stout, um, which is not a style that I would say, like, if you're a new craft beer drinker, I wouldn't say like, Hey, go try this stout, which is a dark roasty, uh, you know, basically Guinness. If you don't like Guinness, then you, you're not a stout drinker. Um, but yeah, that's a not a beer that I would say a style that like, hey, I'm trying to draw in like casual people, you know, regular general people that don't normally buy craft beer. Um, and I'm going to give you a stout. <laughs> um, I know I will say that they've done a couple of other collaborations with graders. Um, they did a second one of the the black raspberry chip where they added a lot more raspberry puree. That one was, was slightly better. Um, but then they've also done like a key lime pie. That was pretty good. Um, they did a pumpkin uh, one, like based on their pumpkin ice cream. That was pretty good. So they've done a couple of other um, collaborations with graders, but it still is, I think hard, you know, they, there was so much hype surrounding that first one. Um, and it, it just really fell flat for me. That being said, Braxton, for the most part, makes delicious beer. Was there blowback to the company when it wasn't as good? And did they handle it well? You know, I think there was, I think a lot of people didn't really know. Like, and I, I hate to be like the the snob, but I think a lot of people didn't realize that it wasn't good. Right. So, but the people that did realize like, Hey, this is not what you guys promised. Um, we're very vocal about it. And I think that they realized that and they, you know, they went back to the drawing board and said, Hey, let's, you know, let's try to revamp this recipe, which, you know, to their credit, they, they did. Um, and I actually wrote a blog about it. Um, I think it's still up on my website, but it's much, much better, uh, uh, a better representation of, Hey, if I'm going to make an ice cream beer, um, that was what it tastes like. Now on the flip side, uh, Rheingeist made a beer or an ice cream based on their beer with UDF here in Cincinnati. So if you don't like graders, ice cream, UDF ice cream is probably the next best thing, uh, here in Cincinnati. Um, but they had a, Rheingeist Truth, which is an IPA ice cream, and it was delicious. Um, didn't necessarily taste exactly like the the beer, but you could taste some of like the hops in it, and it was it was interesting. It was almost like a um, if you ever had like Jenny's ice cream or something like that, like a more like high end type of ice cream. But uh, anyway, now I want some ice cream. UDF peach ice cream. 
if you get a chance and you so feel inclined, you can go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a rating. We appreciate the the three five star ratings we've got through five episodes. Nice. That was my mom, Angie, and Abby probably that did that. Yeah. We've got some listeners. The problem with Apple is it doesn't tell us who's listening. All the other everywhere else gives us stats, but Apple's like, ah, just just guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I mean as far as I know, we're we're hitting about a million downloads a week. Yeah. Uh, just on Apple alone. Yeah. Uh give us a follow on Spotify, all the social media. It's just Beers and Beards Podcast. Look it up. You'll see the handsome design by Aaron Garrett. Don't forget to check out MMAMcKinney.com. Look at his his travelings, his last two uh, visits. See what he thinks about that. If you're into that piss water beer that uh, he <laughs> likes to drink. Um, and then you can go to the Beers and Beards tab and check out every drink we've profiled on each episode. And there's a little player. You can hit it and listen right then. I like that it automatically updates, too. I don't have to do anything. Yeah, it's just right in there. And next week, uh, I think we're going to do maybe uh, an episode where we're actually going to be together for the first time. Yep. And I'm also going to have some... uh, We're going on a little brewery adventure this weekend. Uh, We're heading up to Lancaster, Ohio. So I have a couple new breweries that I've never been to to talk about. One of them is on my brewery bucket list. So... It's called Rockmel Brewing, Rockmel Brewery. So I so waited. We were time. supposed to go to Asheville, but we're going to Lancaster, Ohio instead. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a that's a great slight spot. downgrade. <laughs> this week, sixty minute IPA from Dogfish Head. Ninety Crab minute. Fruit. Ninety minute. Oh, there's a sixty minute too, isn't there? Yeah, there's a. Oh, and I, I wanted you know twenty seconds on this. There's also a hundred and twenty minute IPA which is, you know, brewed for two hours. That beer is ridiculous. It's like 18%. Um, I don't know how anybody ever drinks it. I've tried a sip of it and it, it, it's, it's crazy. Um, but they, it usually is like 15 to 20%. Like they don't know exactly where, where it's going to fall into. Um, but yeah, they have the 120 minute I want him to like introduce like 150 minute or, or 180 minute at some point, but um, there's also a 75 minute. If you need something in between like the 60 and the 90, um, but dogfish head makes some really good beer, but yeah, I want I wanted to talk about that. I had that in my notes to talk about the 120 minute, but yeah. Yeah. I think it was 60, 75, 90, 120 minute IPAs in a nice the, the one david's talking about in a nice is that would you call that purple what color is that it's like a reddish like a maroon yeah yeah uh can or bottle jim beam seven-year-old available anywhere probably in the gas station too if you stop in <laughs> at least in kentucky um or any any local get you establishment a that you're gonna get drinks until next week david Enjoy your drinks. We'll do this again. All right. Later. See ya.